Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, welcome back to the Webby Podcast. This episode is a really special one because today is the 22nd annual Webby Awards. And that means tonight we are honoring a room full of this year's amazing projects, internet wizards, and innovators. To kick off this momentous occasion, I sat down with the host of the 22nd annual Webbies, the incomparable Amber Ruffin. Aside from being an incredible host, Amber is a talented comedian, improviser, and writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Her work ethic has taken her to amazing places like Chicago and Amsterdam's well-respected improv circuit, Los Angeles, and beyond. Last week, I sat down with Amber and we talked a bit about growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, and quickly dove into her epic journey to late night, what it's like working with people like Seth Meyers and Michelle Wolf, her favorite parts of internet culture, and what she's looking forward to at this year's Webby Awards. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, yeah, no one, maybe I have met two people outside of Omaha, Nebraska who are from Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, so it's like, it's like a, a place where most people stay or they just you don't come to New York stay because it's so wonderful. Hmm. So why did you leave? I live there forever because what I just said was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Omaha and then I moved to Chicago to become an improviser. Okay. Then I got a job at a place called Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. So then I lived there for two years. Then I called the second city in Chicago and asked them for a job, and they gave me one in Denver. So I moved to Denver, and then I uh, got a job at Second City Main Stage in Chicago. So I lived there, and then I missed Amsterdam so bad I had to go back. So I went back to Amsterdam for three years that time. And then I moved to L.A. to die. And that's when I got this job. How did you tell me this though? You're growing up in Omaha. I would maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's probably not a rich, vibrant improv scene as a young person to be <laughs> like exposed to. To be like, I want to be a writer and an Im- improviser. How did you like? How did you you know decide to do that? Like just going to Chicago for the first time. We had a tiny improv troupe in Omaha. In Omaha, hmm. and. Um, we would go to uh, Chicago for the Chicago Improv Festival, which is, I can't recommend it enough. It is the best thing any improviser can do. You have to go. So um, we went to the Chicago Improv Festival, and Sharna Halpern, the lady who runs IO, um, which is a, a improv theater, said that I need to move to Chicago. And if I did, I would get a full-time job as an improviser and even still there's only like 20 of those in like the world yeah so i had to try and that's like for people who don't know that's like sort of a it's a big it's like a big stop on becoming a a lot of really great people have gone on from there to be you know very successful yeah i also has some like pedigree that right yeah it does and so does uh boom chicago and amsterdam we Why, have like is it connected to Chicago in Amsterdam? It's just coincidence nope. that you went from Chicago to Boom Chicago. Yep. Okay. It's just coincidence. All right. What? How did you like Amsterdam? 
Um, I loved Amsterdam a lot. It was, you know, just like a bunch of wild children. Because there aren't really a lot of, like, repercussions for your actions. <laughs> you, can, you can really go, you, you could show up to Amsterdam and act however you want to act. Uh-huh. And I did for years. It was the best. Is it hard to tell jokes and be funny for Dutch people or different? Or It takes an adjustment for sure. But once you get it, it's real easy. Like they like American humor for sure. But they also like British humor. They like that German stuff. They like that French um, uh, Jerry Lewis mugging hmm. stuff that they still do on their, uh, you know, sitcoms and stuff over there. They um, also like the the like loud comedy, <laughs> which is like kind of you know what people would call it lowbrow, where it's just just like yelling uh-huh. anger and right. that. We, we don't have a lot of that here, but that is a thing that happens in a lot of countries. Interesting. And they love that, too. They're, I mean, you cannot miss with those people. They love every kind of comedy. They really do. And I think it's because their um, entertainment uh, is so small. They have so few you know, sitcoms and stuff right. that they import a lot of comedy, so they just get all of it. You've like acquired this like set of comedic skills for different nationalities, which is really interesting and probably unique. Yeah, definitely. I would say most uh, most writers on Late Night probably are not super well-versed in comedy for Germans. Yeah. Germans are, oddly, the best audience. You'll love a, you'll love a group of Germans. They're so happy. <laughs> I, I, and I don't see why, <laughs> but, but they're just... Really happy dudes. I think it's because their food is so delicious. Uh, so then um, you said you went to die in Los Angeles. I went to die in Los Angeles. Yeah. Man, it was horrible. Were you, you sort of doing the thing of going out and seeing if you could write for shows and stuff yeah, like that? I yeah, I went out there and was like, I have to try. And I I tried. And it was just sad. It, the only thing there is to think about or talk about or do is industry stuff. Right. And it stinks like here in new york you can have friends who are you know regular people who don't who aren't like attention starved actors (laughs) 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 which i am but uh but also like you know everyone moved there to pursue their dreams and they're working so hard and that like that pace is just sad <laughs> what's it like i mean you must go back to la sometimes now i would imagine right i go back to la all the time and frankly i would rather live in la because la while you are like poor and struggling is terrible but if you have your head above water even the littlest bit it's fun right um i spent all that time in chicago but now everyone I came up with in Chicago now lives in L.A., all of them. Maybe I know 12 people in Chicago, and it used to be like a 1,000 of us. So right. 1,000 of my friends moved to um, L.A., and I really feel like when I go there, it's, I'm going to say honestly, 
60% of every human being I know lives there. Yeah. So it feels really nice to right. be there for that reason. That's nice. Um, so tell me about how did you get the job on Late Night? I went to um, New York to audition for SNL. And then I didn't get SNL and I could have died. Oh, um, yeah. I was so sad you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, then... But, you know, only for three days. Because then three days later, after I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to live in L.A. And I'll just live like this forever. And we'll talk, I mean, if you don't mind, we talk about it a little bit because I would just imagine never having gone through it. But, like, that's sort of like the pinnacle improvisational thing you probably always hope to try out for and do, right? Sure. Well, and yeah. Sort of, sort of like you, you got your shot. and Yeah. I mean, I had sent them tapes before. And honestly remembering them they were just just awful this <laughs> is terrible oh my god every once in a while i will and this is true i will think about the tapes that i sent them and physically cringe oh my god what horrible work i sent those people um so <laughs> but they had you come out anyway it couldn't but have been that bad that, i mean that was years before okay, yeah. so then i had um they had showcases in la so i put together what I thought was great, I still stand by it, great bits for um, my SNL audition. And, you know, I would, we had two or three different um, showcases in LA before we went out to New York. And I thought what I did was great. And I felt so safe because all of the people auditioning were like our little buddies. It was very fun. It was a very good time. So late night and SNL, you know, lots of connections there. Was it somebody who saw you there that reached out to Seth and the team and said they should talk to you? Or how did that come about? Oh, Seth Myers used to um, perform at Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. So I had met Seth. I I knew him. He had seen me perform for years. Oh, cool. So it was probably him who got me that SNL audition in the first place. And then I suppose I didn't get it. So then he... Um, was like she would uh, do great in the writer's room at late night. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. That must have been like a great feeling. Oh, my God. I mean, straight out of the gutter. I couldn't have been sadder. And then I – um, that's not true because you know what? I was a nanny to a perfect little baby, and I still love him so bad. Oh, my God. I love that baby. Um, So I was holding my precious little tiny baby boy and on the phone with Seth, who I thought called to tell me that he was sorry that I didn't get SNL. And I kept I kept being like, oh, that's so nice. You didn't have to call. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't why he was calling. He was like, can you come right? I'm, I'm going to host uh, Late Night now. Can you come right on it? And I was so thrilled. And I waited until I got home. I didn't call. Uh, my husband, I waited until I got home. Because at that point, my husband was a security guard working nights. So I, oh God, oh my God, it was the fucking worst life. So I came home and I uh, shook him awake. I was like, we're moving to New York. Ah! Um, and we did, and it's the best. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't complain about LA so bad, but it was really like, oh, you're... Your future may just be theater forever, which, P.S., I love theater, and I always will. It's my first love. But, you know, it's not a 
great way to like eat and live. Yeah, it's a very inspiring story. I, but I also want to point out that I have a feeling you're not telling the part is that like you work really, really, really hard. That's my guess. <laughs> Only because I know Seth Meyers works really, really hard. And I would imagine that the people in that writer's room to get there worked really, really hard. It's not like you just got this call. I mean, there's a lot of, you, oh, sure. you did it to get there. Yeah. And once I found out I was going to audition for SNL, I went to literally every open night, open open mic night um, in between that showcase and the audition and did my material for friggin' two people every night. And it was murder. But it got me to a really excellent place. And I had never been over-rehearsed. And I was just painfully over-rehearsed. Huh. I didn't know that that was possible. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I can't, I kind of overdid it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There's, like, a very few amount of people in the world who knows what it's like to be a writer on late night. What's that like? Like, what's, the, what's your day like? It's too much fun. I get to work at 9.30, and I, you know, we all, on Mondays, we pitch an idea. And, you know, if it gets picked, you write it that whole day. And if it doesn't, you work on your other stuff that's in the show that week. And I am on the sketch team and not the monologue team. So the monologue team just writes monologue jokes all day, every oh, that's day. All that's do. their life. We on the sketch team goof off hard. Um, no, we write all day, but it's, you know, we get to sit with each other and giggle and write and say things out loud. And then the thing that we said out loud that makes us giggle, we write it down. It, it, you know, it's a lot of fun. And, and that Seth hired the nicest people he knew. He said, a lot of people could do this job. I hired the nicest people I knew. And he really did. And I love those people so bad. And I hear other people talk about their writer's rooms, but we are in love. It is bad. We come in and are fucking thrilled. And everybody's talking about their weekend, blah, 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 blah. And when we're not together, we're texting each other. There's a text chain. Oh my goodness. It's bad. We're in love. We got a bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it kind of it comes through. You guys, I mean, the the show feels very like made of people that are generally happy. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have a sort of you know mad (laughs) tone to it. No, we're it's a bunch of giggle pusses for sure. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
how did Amber Says What get started? Which I think is, I don't know if it's your most famous segment or sketch, but definitely one that people follow and we see a lot online and stuff. How did that get started? Um, I just brought it in after we were on hiatus for the Olympics or the Winter Olympics. It had to be the Winter Olympics. Um, and I just brought in a, um, a wrap-up. And it was originally the Olympics wrap-up. But it, all I did was say what to everything. And then Seth was like, you might as well just go ahead and call that Amber Says What. And I said, oh, okay. I'm always amazed at how many different ways you can say what. Like I, <laughs> as many of them I've seen, I keep thinking I'm going to hear the same thing, and it's like always a new one. <laughs> Good. That's our goal. Yeah. A lot of the segments that you do, and I think just generally the late night does, makes it into cultural conversation. You know, makes it up onto Twitter the next day. People start talking about it. You did a rap responding to... Let's just say what Kanye's been talking about. How's that as a, as a <laughs> down the middle way of describing the chain of recent weeks and Kanye? Um, and it got picked up pretty quickly. It was like a big thing on Time Magazine about it yesterday. I saw. Um, is that something you guys are trying to do? Is that something you're trying to do? Is like, you know, get it from also doing something for the audience, obviously, and for the people who are watching at that time, but also having some sort of perspective on what's going on that becomes part of the rest of the world. No, I mean, sure, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it comes from me being like, I, I, I am goofing off real hard, but I'm never telling a lie. Uh, I, it, the thought of Kanye saying that and children hearing that and then going to school and being discriminated against and walking home from school and not being able to go into the 7-Eleven more than one at a time and stuff, and thinking that children are going through that, going, well, this is on me, because Kanye said this isn't a thing, and I'm making up all of this discrimination. It's all in my head. The thought of a child thinking that makes me sick to my stomach. And so I had to, like, that was straight bubbling over. I, I just hate the fact that he said that so yeah. bad. And that's where any time you see, like, Jenny or I or or Seth on the show talking very passionately about something, it is because we feel like we ha have to say it. Yeah. And it is weird that there is this, like, I certainly don't feel, like, obligated, but... It's not like you're like, he said something. We need a take on that. It was, you, yeah. you, ha you, you viscerally had a take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. So mad. I'm still a little mad. It was a very funny bit though. Also. Oh good. Yeah. I mean the the dancing and I mean it's 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 uh <laughs> I mean it's it's very funny and poignant. Oh good. Um let's talk a little about the internet. Never heard of it. What, what do you think it? what do you think about what's going on on the internet these days? Are you are you like you have a pretty active Twitter feed? I love Twitter. I will sit and read it forever. And it some you really have to watch who you follow, because for a while there, I was only following very angry people, and I had like a week where I was like, I am so angry, and the world is so terrible. And don't get me wrong, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have to be a human being who can survive in it and contribute to it. Yeah. And you can't really do that if you're. Um, staring unblinkingly into 
the void where our humanity used to be. Yeah. You got to have some cute dogs in there. So I freaking followed cute emergency uh, and that one fluffy dog and, and like um, peop- some comedians who I know who are like, you know what? I'm just never going to comment on what's happening. And slowly they have become like the rest of us. Yeah. But um, yeah, it took some, you really have to curate. You have to watch what, your input is yeah. I mean, how, think talk a little bit more about that. How much of, um, how aware do you have to be of like your own mind frame and what's coming in and what you're being exposed to for like the job that you're doing? Do you like need to be getting certain types of inspiration outside the writers' room in order to have the material and the ideas when you get in there? Um, you know what? It is nice to, because we are like all comedians, and. All of our best friends are comedians. So it's very, like when, honestly, when Michelle Wolf um, did the White House Correspondents' Dinner, I had a moment where I was like, is this a huge deal to us because we're comedians and we love the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Or did everyone see this and everyone is feeling this way? So it did help to be, you know, a part of uh, Twitter Although the reason why I knew it was everyone was because my Dutch husband was like, hey, my brother said something about Michelle Wolf," And I was like, oh, okay. If it, if it reached Amsterdam, then we're good. And everyone's talking about it. I have a hard time understanding why it was controversial, but evidently people thought it was very controversial. It was her, controversial because she said that and she's a woman. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I think you guys should be very proud. Also, got the White House Correspondents' Dinner hosted by... By her, she's a former writer. I think she's a colleague of yours in the writer's yeah, room. Got the like Webby's now also has her, but it's like Seth Meyers's writer's room is taking over all the award shows. Yeah, you know what? A lot of people hire people for their television shows based on the credits people have from other television shows. But Seth is not concerned with that at all. Seth is concerned with who are the funniest people that I know. And then that's how you find Michelle, you know, we also have one of our writers, Brian Donaldson, they found him on Twitter. He just had, he's the Nardbark on Twitter and has like a bajillion D followers and is hilarious. And he was a um, IT guy in Peoria. And then he got, he had never been in New York. And now he lives here and works at Late Night Seth and writes jokes all day. That's amazing. Yeah. It's the best. That's the best part of the internet. I forgot how this started. I, know, I was asking I you what you thought about M- Michelle Wolf. Oh, my God. She's my favorite. She's my little friend. I love her so bad. I'm going to go do some of her test shows. I'm going to do one on the 10th. Because she has a new Netflix show coming out, right? she has a new right? Netflix yeah. show coming out. And she, talk about work hard. Michelle used to um, come to work. You know, we work from 9 to uh, 6.30. We start taping the show. So she would work from, first of all, she got promoted to script supervisor. She would come in work all day, and then do two or three sets at night every single day. Wow. And every once in a while, I would be like, let's go out and get a drink. And she'd be like, well, I have two sets, or I have three sets. And it's like, why do you have all of that? You need to breathe. But she absolutely doesn't. I don't know if she sleeps. I think today she's running a... 50 mile race? Stop it. She is an Come on. insane oh person. Oh my gosh, that's just making everybody look so bad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she really just has decided, oh, I'm just going to work myself to death, see if I can't die at 35.
So do you have any takeaways from her uh, her monologue that you're bringing into or thinking about for hosting the Webbies coming up here? Oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> Michelle and I are all the way different, which is why I love her so bad because she's cold-blooded. I mean, not as a human being, but she will say a mean thing like a mug, does not yeah. give a rip, um, which I love. But I kind of do give a rip, and I, <laughs> I like – would die if I said something that made someone feel bad. Like, I'm kind of that type yeah. of dude. Yeah. And she is very not. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why uh, we go together so well. But um, do I have any? No. I mean, no. I do feel like she's kind of pushed the needle as far as what fucking constitutes meanness. <laughs> You know, like in the, the very concept of meanness, she took it and moved it a couple inches. I mean, that is how, uh, like, insane what she did was. Um, yeah, I'm just thrilled for her. I spent yeah. a lot of time being thrilled for her. My husband, you know, like we, I know a lot of people who, you know, from Chicago, um, who have, or Boom Chicago, like, Jordan Peele, um, uh, Seth, and uh, uh, Kay Cannon, and um, Jason Sudeikis, like people who have come up, you know, and made a real name for themselves. But my husband, you know, doesn't know a lot of these comedians. But Michelle, he knew from from work from the second she got the job. So this is the first time he's ever seen a person become oh, famous and he's just over the moon. I thought you say he was terrified for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's thrilled. Oh, but it's cool. like, cool. It's like, hey, I finally know a famous person. I'm like, well, we meet a couple every once in a while. It's like, yeah, but I knew her when she was normal. I'm like, oh my gosh. So tell me about your approach to hosting the Webbies. Are there any winners you're excited to... Not like in a meat thing, but that you're excited we're honoring or any of the you know work that you admire. Um, no, you know I don't really care for these people. I'm just kidding. All right. FKA Twigs. Right. I mean, Jeez Louise, uh, Jesse Williams. I'm also thrilled to meet. <laughs> There's a few There's people a here lot. at our office that have like been making heart signs, you know, a lot when they his name is brought up. Just, uh, just I, you know, I love. I'm a huge Crazy Anatomies fan. I have it bad. But I'm also a huge fan of his friggin' activism when he told it like it was. Where was that? Where was that he was when he B- was like? the BET Awards. Yes, right? the BET yeah. Awards. And I was like, I can't believe amazing. this man is saying this. And that was great. And then yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I love you so bad. I'll love you forever. And he hasn't stopped. Yeah. Talk about put your money where your mouth is. He is not messing around out yeah. there. There's, there's a lot of winners, actually. This, I mean, I think every year, but this year also, where like if you really focus on what they're doing, like it, it'll make you like just cry in the middle of the street. If yeah. you like, you know what I mean? It's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, but it should. There's yeah. a lot of that here. Yeah. I am so thrilled. I, I mean, and also like, where else are we gonna give them their due? Like, who? There aren't a lot of awards for. Yeah. Stuff like this. Yeah. It is so nice that they get to get recognized for like, even like there is there aren't a lot of awards for like, you know, being an innovator. Yeah, like friggin' FK Twigs is an innovator. Yeah, she's amazing. It, it's you know it's very exciting. I'm very excited. Cool. We're excited to have you. Um, Not as excited as I am. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll we'll see. I'll fight you. We'll have like a mutual like who's more excited club. <gasps> Yay. 
idea. Oh, it's a club. So you're writing the show all day long, yeah. and then and then you're writing the, the other thing you're writing on the side. I write on late night stuff. I am a narrator for Drunk History, and that's my friggin' favorite goofiness. Um, I write for a show called Detroiters on Comedy Central. Um, Detroiters is a show about two admin from Detroit um, with Sam Richardson and Tim Robinson is the most fun. I am writing that other show. Did I say that? I'm writing a, and I am, oh, I'm working with Bill Brown on a musical called The Wiz, oh. and I'm working to rewrite The Wiz. I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's going to go up uh, this summer at um, the Muni in St. Louis, and then we're going to see if we can't get all the way to Broadway. Amazing. No pressure on that, by the way, rewriting The Wiz. I huh? know that's right. With the man who wrote The Wiz. Me and the man who originally wrote The Wiz sat down, and I was like, um, maybe the munchkins fart? <laughs> Just kidding. They don't fart. Yet. Amber Ruffin, we are super excited to have you hosting the 22nd Annual Webby Awards tonight. Yeah, my budget looks so beautiful. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, and uh, good luck. Break a leg, I guess. Yay, I'll break both. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Amber for sitting down with me, and most of all for hosting this year's show. She's hands down one of the nicest people and best hosts we've had for the Webby Awards. You can follow her at Amber M. Ruffin, A-M-B-E-R-M-R-U-F-F-I-N, and check out her hilarious Amber Says What segments and more on Late Night. Stay tuned to watch her host the 22nd Annual Webby Awards tomorrow, May 15th at webbyawards.com. Our producer is Sebastian Ade. Our editorial director is Nicole Ferraro. Research and writing by Jordana Jarrett. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is the CMO of Compostable Pasta Straws. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back here next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.